Hi, listeners. It's Ashley. If you've enjoyed the mystifying cases covered in Supernatural or the real-life controversies chronicled in Very Presidential, you're going to love my new Spotify original from ParCast, International Infamy. Every Tuesday, I'm taking you on a Wicked World Tour, 15 different countries, 15 notorious crimes. Join me as I guide you through the twists and turns of each case, exploring why it was so unique to its location and why it couldn't have happened anywhere else. Let's kick off our true crime journey with this exclusive clip from the first episode. If you enjoy it and want to hear more, be sure to follow International Infamy with Ashley Flowers free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. On June 17, 1994, millions of Americans were sitting in front of their TVs watching the NBA Finals. But in the second quarter, the game was interrupted by breaking news. The California Highway Patrol was chasing a white SUV down the 405. And inside the SUV was NFL Hall of Famer O.J. Simpson. From that moment, the O.J. murder trial was pretty much the only story anyone cared about. It wasn't just about a double homicide. It was about race, celebrity, discrimination in the justice system. Every country has at least one story like this, a crime that drags all of society's ugliest problems out of the shadows and into the spotlight. And once everyone's looking, it's impossible to look away. In Mexico, for example, one of the biggest crime stories in recent memory was about a serial killer who strangled and robbed elderly women. At first, this case seemed to be about the decay and dehumanization of Mexico City, the weakening family bonds that left these old women alone and defenseless. But by the time the killer was caught, it was about so much more than that. Sexism, police corruption, abuse, poverty, and even professional wrestling. This is the story of one of Mexico's most infamous serial killers, Juana Barraza. The Little Old Lady Killer. I'm Ashley Flowers, and this is International Infamy, a Spotify original from Parcast. This show is a little different from those I've done in the past. Consider it like a world crime tour. We have a slate of 15 notorious crimes from 15 different countries, and we will not only tell these fascinating, often gruesome tales, but get to the cultural beats of what makes them stand out so drastically. I'm thrilled to bring you the show and even more excited to get into our first episode. We're kicking off our tour in Mexico, where I'll lead you through the country's first ever official serial killer investigation. False leads, blackmail, lucha libre, this story has it all. And 15 years after the infamous little old lady killer was caught, there are still questions about how many murders she committed and whether another murderer might still be out there. When it comes to serial killers, there's a narrative we're used to. The killer is usually a middle-aged white man who takes every precaution to evade the police. Detectives race against the clock to piece together clues and zero in on a suspect. Finally, thanks to expert police work, the killer is arrested and all the cold cases are solved. In today's story, none of those things happen. 
It's a wild ride, and it starts in the late 90s when something strange is happening in Mexico City. Old ladies are being murdered in droves. In 1998, three elderly women are found strangled to death in their homes. At first, it seems like a coincidence. There's no connection between the victims. And in a city of 18 million, three strangulations are barely a blip on the radar. But the next year, a few more old women are killed in the same way. And the next year, a few more and a few more. The pattern continues until 2003, when the number of killings suddenly spikes to 12 in one single year. Now, Mexico City isn't some quaint little small town where murders never happen. During the same period of time, over 4,000 women were killed in the state of Mexico. Most of those crimes went unsolved and uninvestigated. Those women were mostly younger, mostly poor or working class, the kind of victims that sadly the police didn't really care about. They tended to just blame the victims for going out at night or hanging out with the wrong people. But little old grandmas brutally murdered in their homes? This to them was something different. The elderly are vulnerable. They're supposed to be respected and cared for. Instead, all these victims lived alone, apparently abandoned by their families, victimized by some unknown violent monster. What kind of society allows this to happen? And it would be horrifying enough if dozens of random people were just snapping and killing the old lady next door. But as the murders continue, it starts to look like they aren't so random after all. There are all sorts of weird patterns emerging. For one thing, the victims all live in middle to lower class neighborhoods near parks or gardens. They all live alone, and they're all enrolled in a government program for the elderly called Cibale. That last detail raises some eyebrows because several eyewitnesses remember seeing a woman in a nurse's outfit near the crime scenes. Pretty soon, tabloids are spreading rumors about a serial killer. El Mata Viejitas, the little old lady killer. For a while, the police deny that the crimes are connected. It's all media sensationalism, they say. But the bodies keep piling up. And with 12 identical unsolved murders in a single year, it's getting hard to pretend that nothing's going on. So in November 2003, the police finally cave to the pressure and make a historic announcement. They're on the hunt for a serial killer. This is the first legit serial killer investigation in Mexican history. They're used to dealing with crimes where there's a clear motive, sexual assaults, cartel violence, crimes of passion. But this person seems to just be killing for the sake of killing. And the senselessness is hard for the investigators to wrap their heads around. The deputy prosecutor says, quote, what's happening to us today did not happen to us before. It happened in movies in the United States. So with no idea where to start, they create a profile based on research from, you guessed it, the United States. What they come up with is basically a horror movie cliche. The killer is brilliant and organized, probably from a broken home. They have tendencies towards fetishism or sadomasochism, even though, by the way, none of the victims were sexually assaulted. 
And even though eyewitnesses saw a woman at the scene, the data says that more than 90% of serial killers are men. So the investigators narrowed down their search to a man wearing a wig. There is one part of the profile that's actually on point. The suspect is posing as a social worker from the Sibale program to get into these women's houses. Unfortunately, this throws the investigation into a political firestorm. At the time, the mayor of Mexico City was Andres Manuel López Obrador, who, yes, is the current president of Mexico. He also happened to create the Cibale program. This is obviously bad PR for the program, so he insists there is no serial killer. It's all a conspiracy cooked up by his political opponents. He basically tells the rest of the local government to back off and stop talking about it. So even though the police have just announced that they're looking for a serial killer, Mexico City's Department of Justice is like, nope, never mind, nothing to see here. And over the next year, it actually looks like Lopez Obrador is right. Maybe these are isolated incidents. Because it turns out there are lots of people in Mexico City dressing up like nurses to strangle old ladies. In April 2004, the police arrest a woman for committing a murder with this exact M.O. But once she's behind bars, the killings don't stop. Then in September, they arrest another suspect. This one is, in fact, a man wearing a wig. But in the months after he's arrested, another old woman is strangled. Amazingly, even though the murders are still happening, the chief prosecutor comes out and says, well, we caught two people. It's all over now. Case closed. But it's getting harder and harder to pretend there isn't a serial killer on the loose, especially when the same fingerprints are found at 10 different crime scenes. And multiple witnesses keep seeing the same person, a tall, stocky woman with short hair dressed like a nurse. This suspect has got to be out there somewhere, and the pressure is mounting. In the years since the investigation started, there have been 17 more murders. And by 2005, newspapers are reporting that the grand total has reached 49 unsolved murders in seven years. So the whole city is freaking out. Elderly people are afraid to leave the house alone. And by summer of 2005, something happens that turns this from a local problem into a nationwide scandal. Mayor Lopez Obrador announces he's running for president. Immediately, his opponents latch on to the little old lady killer as a fear-mongering tactic. They blame the mayor for the wave of crime and the moral collapse of his city. In August, the opposing party, the PAN, actually launches a program to deliver door chain locks to the elderly. This is becoming way too big of a problem to ignore. So in August of 2005, after nearly two years of denying it, the chief prosecutor finally comes out and says, okay, okay, you're right. There is a serial killer. After that, the Department of Justice launches a whole new effort called Parks and Gardens. Since all the victims lived near Parks and Gardens, they assumed that's where the killer was finding them. The police set up surveillance patrols in all the areas where the little old lady killer has been active. 
They make multiple composite sketches based on eyewitness accounts, and 70,000 copies are distributed all over the city. They even commission a 3D clay sculpture of the suspect's head. Of course, despite what the eyewitnesses said, the police are still claiming that the suspect is a man disguised as a woman. And this is what leads to an embarrassing low point of the entire investigation. By October of 2005, the chief prosecutor decides, maybe we're wrong. Maybe the killer is actually transgender. So taking a complete shot in the dark, the police go out and arrest somewhere between 38 and 49 trans sex workers, pretty much at random. None of them look anything like the composite sketches and none of their fingerprints match the prints found at the crime scenes. The worst part is after this massive failure, the investigators don't rethink their tactics. The chief prosecutor continues to insist we are certain the suspect is a transgender person. By November, the investigation's lack of progress is becoming a serious political problem. Officials from the PAN are calling on the chief prosecutor to resign. Lopez Obrador's party is denouncing them for trying to politicize murder. The controversy gets so bad that the city assembly passes a resolution that basically says, let's stop arguing and let the prosecutor do his job, all right? And they had a point. All of this drama was taking attention away from the actual manhunt or womanhunt. If the investigators had just turned off the news and switched the channel to TV Azteca, they would have seen the little old lady killer giving an interview on national television. I hope you enjoyed this exclusive look at international infamy. Ready to find out what happens next? You can finish this episode and hear more by following International Infamy with Ashley Flowers free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Catch a new episode weekly every Tuesday.